the Daily Fantasy Podcast. I just want to remind everyone that the Ivy Sports Podcast feed, home of the Weekly Daily Fantasy Podcast, and many other great podcasts is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Anchor. Please be sure to subscribe to be notified of all new podcasts from the network. We would appreciate it if while you were there, you would rate and review the network. Five stars, please. Kind comments. Finally, you can follow Ivy Sports on all social media accounts, including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. The Facebook group has a premium membership that allows you to post without it being approved by an admin. You can be commissioner for a day, receive free gambling picks, and much, much more. And with that, we are back with another edition of the Weekly Daily Fantasy Podcast with your hosts. I am Keith Fleming. With me, as always, is Joe Matz. This is our third week, Joe, or excuse me, fourth week. Fourth, yeah. Started week two, and our picks are on fire. Uh, I am going to talk a lot of smack this week (laughs) to the people in the group because we got a lot of gambling degenerates. Just some of the highlights from this week. My quarterbacks I gave, Aaron Rodgers, who had 31.5 points. He was at $7,100. He was, I think, the fourth most expensive quarterback, but outscored all three of the top quarterbacks above him, which you actually mentioned when I talked about him. We both had Joe Burrow at 19.1 points at $6,300. He continues to be a surprise. My low-tier quarterback, Matthew Stafford, at 5,900, had 24.6. Your quarterback picks were also very good. You had Deshaun Watson at 24.9, and your value pick was Ryan Fitzpatrick at 26.3. So we gave you two low quarterback options that ended up getting a lot of points. Uh, My running backs, Alvin Kamara, had 20.9 points at $8,000. The James Robinson had 14.7 points at 6,500, which was a little disappointing, but not terrible. My I am a genius pick of the week was <laughs> Chase Edmonds at 4,200. If you listen to the podcast, and if you're not, what are you doing? Uh, I flat out said he was probably going to get nine to 10 touches. He got nine to 10 touches. I said it felt like he was going to get a touchdown. He did. He ended up with 15.4 points. That is so huge when you can get a guy at that cost at 4,200. Uh, to to get those kind of points. And then for the receivers, man, I had Will Fuller at 5,900. He had 25.8 points. Devontae Parker at 5,700. He had 24 points. And how about my man, Joe? He had Cooper Cup at 17.7 points, but he predicted OBJ was going to have the game of the year. Little did we know he was going to have the game of the season with 38.4 points. He had, I believe, three total touchdowns already. I know he had the two receiving and the rushing. Uh, Boy, the Cowboys defense is trash. And our our good picks are not done. I had Darren Waller at 5,200. He had 15.8 points. Evan Ingram at 4,400 for 11.6. And you had the great pick of, uh, I believe it was Schultz and Hawkinson. Schultz had 17.2 points. Hawkinson had 10.4. And then I will say not all my picks were gems. I did have Calvin Ridley and Braxton Barros as two of my three flex plays. I think they combined for three points. But my third flex man, Devin Singletary at 5,900, had 18.6 points. Uh, This was by far our best week. Uh, I thought that we really... Uh, did well across the board. I mean, obviously, they can't all be winners, but I believe when I looked at it, 65% of the guys 
uh, scored above their fantasy average and scored above all the guys within uh, two to five hundred dollars worth of them, which is the big thing you want is guys that are going to be valued uh, that score a lot of points for that value. So I'm excited. Tired about this week. I, I, I think by doing this podcast, I know I don't know about yourself. I'm kind of changing the way that I obviously build my teams, mm. and I'm also kind of paying attention to different things. And I wanted to go over that real quick before we start to get into our picks, which is what we do every week. I'm really starting to look at. I mean, obviously, you got to look at the cost. That's just. I mean, that's sure. just deal. <laughs> and then you look at the guys around them and what their cost is. Uh, because you mentioned last week when I, I had the Aaron Rodgers pick that you really liked the pick more than anything because you thought his matchup was the best, even though you had guys like Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, who were more expensive. You said that Rodgers was the best because obviously he's playing my pitiful Atlanta Falcons <laughs> secondary. And like I said, the other guys had a tough matchup, so that's really big. I'm really getting to where I look at that opponent rank. It's something I've done in the past, but now if I don't see that green color all the way down my lineups, I know that I need to look back over this thing and find some better things. I'm really going to highlight that in my picks this week. I really did some uh, research. I just took the time to look up what previous teams and players have done against these guys, and you'll see why. We're now five weeks into the season. These are patterns. Like, this is no longer a one-week or a matchup deal. This is a secondary is really awful. A running, uh, you know, a front seven is really bad. It could be tight ends destroy a team, Buffalo Bills. There's all these things, and trying to pinpoint those and build the best possible team. Is there anything that you've learned or that you want to share that you've kind of picked up that has helped been to lead to some of your successful plays in the last couple of weeks? Um, I think you just something I try to do is just collect information from a variety of sources. Like I, I'll check in on Football Outsiders and see what reading is good. Saying. I know that people find that hard in 2020, <laughs> but you know, reading and knowledge is really powerful. And we have more data at our fingertips oh, absolutely. than ever in sports. I mean, you go to, you know, I love using the uh, Pro Football Focus, I believe, yeah. is, is the stat line. I mean, you can look up all kinds of statistics, like night games, day games, uh, you know, historical history against teams. And it really does help, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, like, like ESPN has an article every week that's just – looking at what cornerback matchups are going to be advantageous or are going to be disadvantages that week. Are the Falcons like, always the top of that list? <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you want – because sometimes one of the key things that I still am trying to get better at, especially in that regard, is, you know, sometimes you have a pass defense that's not great. Like, say, the Giants, not a good pass defense. But we have a good number one corner. So what you want to target is who's the number two guy, who's the slot guy. So if you only look at the basic data, sometimes you can make the wrong play because you're mm-hmm. going to not realize that, oh, they actually have one good corner. And that can lead you the to... The Cowboys are a good example of this, correct? I believe they have one corner that has done very well each week against like 
Julio Jones, for instance, did not do much against the Cowboys. Calvin Ridley and Gage went nuts. I believe it was the same thing in another matchup where I've read that pretty much if this corner is on that receiver, uh, Tyler Lockett did not, I believe, against the uh, Cowboys. I think that was the game that he didn't go absolutely crazy, and it was Metcalf that had the really big game yeah, more. D- Diggs, the Alabama rookie, has definitely been the that's guy. It. That that's it. You, yep. you want to, well, he's the one you want to target. He's been having a rough time. Okay, so maybe so. it's uh, – I'm trying to think who I'm uh, thinking of. I'll, I'll try to look it up for the end of the podcast, but – uh, with that, let's get right into the positions. And I do want to talk about the NBA Finals for those at the end because both me and Joe are big basketball fans. I just think it's uh, an interesting series and also a history-making one with some of the stuff it's going to mean for both LeBron and AD and honestly Jimmy Butler, even in loss. But let's get right into the NFL. I want to do a, a full disclaimer because I have several players this week that are from Buffalo and Tennessee. There is a very good chance from what we're reading that Tennessee may have to forfeit this game. Uh, If that ends up being true, I will, when I repost the podcast, if we get closer to the weekend, I will share the guys that I'll put in for any of the positions that I include, Bills or Titans. That is something you need to pay very close attention to. Uh, Obviously, the one thing I will give DraftKings a lot of credit about, I don't do enough FanDuel to know for sure if they do, is I mean, they usually have it highlighted in red if a player's ruled out last minute. I know when Cam was out with COVID, they immediately had it like in the headliner. She'd go into a lineup, also under the position. So they give you every opportunity to let you know, hey, don't start somebody that's not going to play. But there is a chance that the Buffalo-Tennessee game uh, is not going to happen. And boy, would it be great for Buffalo to get to 5-0 and yeah. and without having to play. I mean, that's you want to talk about basically getting a free buy and a win over another team that's probably going to be a playoff contender. Uh, it would be big for Buffalo, but with the mess that's going on in Tennessee, if you read the articles, you understand why they probably should forfeit the game. The reason that is interesting is I'll go ahead and go over both of my first two quarterbacks. They're Josh Allen and Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Allen is at $7,500. Tannehill is at 6000 The opponent rank. Tennessee is right now 24th against quarterbacks. Josh Allen is averaging 33.1 fantasy uh, points per game. He is quietly not being included a lot of places in the MVP race. I'm selfishly rooting for Russell Wilson because I hammered him at 12 to 1. Talked about it on the Backdoor Gambling podcast. But Josh Allen has been incredible. Uh, And Ryan Tannehill is at $6,000. The Bills are 29th for opposing quarterback rank, and Tannehill's averaging 21 points a game. So let's start with Josh Allen. He is through four games, second in pass yards, third in touchdowns. He has one interception, and he's third in QBR. And I'm not going to lie, I had a lot of fun last year hammering Josh (laughs) Allen, my uh, podcast co-host of the Backdoor Cover uh, my just my man Allen is a big Josh Allen fan, and I'm like, dude, he's talented. He's you know he can run, which is always great, which he hasn't really done this year, which is insane. But he's just so inaccurate, and it's amazing what adding a guy can do. So much of this is giving him Stephon Diggs because now John Brown's so much better, and he just seems more relaxed. And boy, are they throwing the ball down the field and effectively. So the Titans are not good. Let's just put it that way. Again, they're 24th against the pass. I need to remind you, 
the three quarterbacks they have played so far are Gardner Minshew, Kirk Cousins, and Drew Locke, and they're 24th in fantasy points per game. Josh Allen is by far the best quarterback they played this year. I find it hard to believe if this game happens that Josh Allen will not again be around that 30 to 35 points per game. Even more, uh, you know, confidently in Josh Allen compared to Tannenhill, Buffalo really hadn't got their running game going yet. You know, Moss has been injured. Singletary has not been great. So they've relied on Allen a lot more, and it's working. I expect them to continue to try to get the run game. That may make them a little bit more balanced. But for right now, they are very throw-heavy against a bad secondary. Well, and as far as the run game goes, I think Josh Allen's the leading guy for touchdowns, at least. I completely agree. And he really hasn't ran as much as he has in previous seasons because he hasn't had to. Exactly. Exactly. So Tannehill real quick, and then we'll get to your top two. I did not realize how bad the Bills secondary has been this it's year. It's been surprising. It's a little concerning for a team that I was just thinking this morning, somebody posted in the group, you know, of the four teams, I think most people would agree right now are the four best teams in football, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Chiefs, and the Bills. You know, who is the best? Obviously, it's the Chiefs. The defense look better. They have yeah. Mahomes. I mean, they, they look like a pretty unstoppable unit. I said next I would probably right now uh, have to lean towards the Packers because of their strength of schedule, then the Bills, and then the Seahawks. Uh, but – the Bills and Seahawks are very similar teams right now, that they're very good offensively and very suspect on defense. So the Bills have played Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jared Goff, and Derek Carr. Again, not a murderer's row of quarterbacks. They are 30th in the NFL against quarterbacks in fantasy points per game. And just so you know, Fitzpatrick threw for 328 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Jared Goff. 321 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. And Derek Carr, 311 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. That is those three, uh, let's just say, not great quarterbacks, averaging right at about 320 yards a game, two touchdowns, only one pick. Tannehill has been very consistent over the last season and, what, five weeks yeah. If this game happens, I love both of those matchups for those reasons. Who are your first two quarterbacks you got this week, Joe? Well, then also to keep in mind for Tannehill is it looks like A.J. Brown will make his first. Finally. Thank one, God so. for uh, league owners like myself. It's like, dude, get your ass on the field. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my my uh, tier one guy, I'm doubling down to Sean Watson at 6,900. So he came through last week. He had his first 300-yard game. He threw a couple touchdowns. It's Cornell, right, taking over? Yeah. And, I mean, that I'm just kind of – I'm a little in on the Texans this week in general just because I think that's going to give them a boost. They got the stink of Bill O'Brien finally out of their lives. I mean, you right. can't like, not get better with that. We, we've seen multiple stories with, like, quote – you know, anonymous quotes because no one wants to rag on the guy publicly, but – where they were like, he lost, he lost the team. And so I think Cornell's going to – I mean, I don't think Cornell's the guy who, like, when you trade shoots Andre adrenaline in anyone's veins. Johnson, I think that that's a, that's a pretty good way to lose a team, especially your quarterback. Oh, God. 
that that one will never make any sense. But it's awful. E- even without Hopkins, this week he's got the Jacksonville defense. Ooh, it's bad. They're allowing opposing QBs to complete 77% of their passes for 8.4 <laughs> yards per attempt. So it's not like people are dinking and dunking Derek Carr style six yards per completion or whatever. 8.4 yards per attempt. So you can throw on them deep. The top college quarterbacks and programs in the uh, you know college divisions don't right. have 77%. That is ridiculous. So I really like that one. And then... No, don't I've, pick on my guys. It, it Man, works I feel every it week. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater, 5,900 against the Atlanta Falcons. Just pencil them in. <laughs> he's had at least 235 yards in every game he's played this year. He ran for a touchdown last week. So he's a guy who can add a little bit with his legs. Falcons, three out oh of the four gosh. weeks, 300-plus yards allowed. Three out of the four weeks... Four passing touchdowns allowed. Opposing QBs, 118 QB rating. So, a running back and a tight end last week without their best receiver combined for 14 catches for 193 yards and three touchdowns. Think about that. They had one receiver on the field (laughs) in most of those formations and got torched by a backup running back and a tight end that really has not ever done anything. They're dreadful. Now Kazee is out. They have all three of their best safeties are not going to be playing. I've said this before. Their top three cornerbacks are all either rookies or second-year players. I mean, and we'll get to them in the receivers. You cannot go wrong with any Caroline Panther that has anything to do <laughs> with passing or receiving. I will not knock you for taking any Panther receiver this week. Right, Who's man. your third quarterback then, Jeff? I, I believe we both have Daniel Jones as our. Third we do, and why? And why is that? It's basically because he's playing the Dallas Cowboys. It's it's, it's kind of like with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, just to let you know, the last uh, three opponents that Daniel Jones has played, Dallas, by the way, is 28th in the league. And it's a little scary with Jones because he's only scored 12.6 points per game. Yeah. That is not great. But the last three games against the Cowboys – Quarterbacks have thrown 273 yards, four touchdowns, 315 yards, and five touchdowns, and then 200 yards and three touchdowns, and freaking Jarvis Landry threw a touchdown against them. That's how bad their secondary is that receivers are throwing 37-yard dime touchdown passes. Well, uh, shoot, didn't uh, Julio dropped one? He did. You, you know what? I completely forgot. You're right. That would have been two receivers because that was a walk-in touchdown if Julio who is just an enigma in that way that he will make the hardest catches look easy and he drops one of those bunnies I swear about twice a a, a year each season just walk-in touchdown Um, I think Jones we would agree is more of if you're trying to really load up at other positions yeah. and you're kind of making it flyer, I, I don't know about you personally. I don't feel super confident in it, but I also think the Cowboys offense is really good, even though the Giants defense is not bad by any means, uh, that they probably will be up. And so yeah. you have 
two kind of ways to, to get off well on this is, well, actually three ways. The Giants really don't have any running backs. I mean, Devontae Freeman and what, Goldman are their, their top two running backs. Uh, the Cowboys are probably going to be up, which is going to mean Jones is just going to throw more. And then the Cowboys defense secondary is just trash. And it's not just that like Dallas is bad. It's also Daniel Jones has faced the Steelers, Bears, 49ers, and Rams. I actually meant to say that I, I like some of their receivers this week as well for the same reason. I don't have any of them listed. I don't know if you do. Um, I do have one. Okay, cool. Well, we'll talk about that then. Why don't we move into the running back, and let's let's let you go first with your first guy. Well, I, th- I believe we're also on the same page with this one, which was uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's finally going to come through this week. I really believe that. Go ahead and tell me why you think that's going to be. He's had twenty-one. He's averaging twenty-one touches a game, so he's getting the ball. Despite that, he's getting twenty-plus touches a game. He's in the best offense in the NFL. He scored one touchdown. That's a fluke. If he keeps getting these touches, he's going to score. And Oakland is absolutely awful at stopping opposing running backs. I believe they are dead last in fantasy against opposing running backs. They're giving up 5.4 yards per carry to running backs, 138 yards, and eight touchdowns through four games. That's what I was going to say. I went through a game because I did a lot of that this week. And three games against the terrible Raiders uh, run defense, running backs, 97 yards for two touchdowns. The running backs also in that game had nine receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. The second game, 113 rushing yards, two touchdowns. In that game, that was Kamara. He had nine catches for 91 yards. And they also had a game this year where they gave up 262 yards on the ground and two touchdowns and also gave up three receptions for 38 yards. So if you're doing a little quick math there, in just those three games, they have given up almost 500 yards rushing and six touchdowns. And also in those three games, given up 21 receptions to running backs for almost 200 yards and a touchdown. And Edwards Hilaire can both run it and pass mm-hmm. catch. And we don't need to act like he's having a terrible season. He's just no. not scoring because he's averaging 16.6 fantasy points per game. And he's I think he's relatively cheap for what he's coming at, which is 6,800 against the dead last defense in the league against running backs. And that's also for uh, running backs points per game against. Yeah, I think with him, it's a it's a safe play because you're, you've got a baseline. You're going to get double digit points. He's not going to totally goose egg you or anything. But the potential is there. If he scores a couple touchdowns, you could be looking at 30 points and he could be the number one running back. And also, I love it when there's a chance that he's going to not be a percentage owned by a lot of people. Mm, And I think a lot of people are going to look, well, he's been disappointing because most of his points came in week one. He is not, like from a fantasy perspective, scored a lot of points the last three weeks. So it's more likely other people don't have them. Be the smart one to take them. And I think that's going to be a big pick. Who's your second guy, Joe, at running back? So I'm actually sticking in that exact same game and going with Josh Jacobs at 6,300. What a beast, man. So he's actually been in a very similar situation. He's getting 24 touches a game. Now, it's gone down the last two weeks because they've been trailing, and that's probably going to be the situation here. So he's not going to see the like 30 touches he got a week one or two. 
He's going to get a lot, though, while the game's because that's got to be the Raiders' game, right? Pound Jacobs, try to keep the game close, shorten it. And he's had at least three receptions in every game. So even if they fall behind, he doesn't disappear from the game plan. Like Edwards Hilaire, hasn't scored since week one. Again, if you're getting that many touches, and the Raiders aren't a bad offense. Not a great no, they scored one, points, too. Yeah. But they've scored at least 20 points every week, and he's only scored touchdowns in week one. So he's due Kansas City. Their pass defense has been uh, probably elite. Like, they've been really good this year against the pass. Against the run, 161 yards a game, five yards per carry for opposing running backs. So the, like she said, the Patriots just shredded them with guys that I've never heard right. of. So like you said, that has to be the game plan. Pound Jacobs early and often. So I really like him at 6,300. So I'm going to be a little crazy for my next pick. Right. And I know okay. this. I'm going with David Johnson. Uh, <laughs> kind of for the same reasons that you are. I am, though, excited about Romeo Cornell taking over in the sense that Bill O'Brien has always been notorious for not really being committed to running the football. I mean, I remember Lamar Miller had, I think it was two or three seasons ago, this amazing season, and he only had about 198 rushing attempts by the end of the year because he just, Bill O'Brien is one of those coordinators and he you know he has a lot to do with that with him that's being his background the offensive side of the ball and I do like the Deshaun Watson pick but I also think that David Johnson is going to get more involved this week our defensive mining coaches like Romeo Cornell are going to typically want to run the ball play defense uh and, and and they're playing honestly a very bad defense in Jacksonville they are 26 against opposing running backs and again, just to kind of show that Indy had 20 carries for uh, 91 yards. They had uh, 14 receptions for 112 yards and a touchdown. Uh, they also had a game this year where they gave up 114 rushing yards. And last week to Miami, who is not loaded at running back, they had 23 carries for 95 yards and five receptions for 29 yards. David Johnson has not been what we would like him to be, but he is still more talented than the guys that Miami has on their roster. And he's just so cheap this week. I mean, 5,200 for a guy that is unquestionably the starter. Uh, He is averaging 12.7 points, which is, is obviously not much. But when you're not doing anything, that shows the volume he is getting. I think he is averaging right now about 17 touches a game. Um, and hopefully they're going to be more in this game. You need to be reminded yeah. that last week against Minnesota, Minnesota actually has a good run defense. They're pretty bad against the pass. Jacksonville's not very good against either, but they're actually worse against the run than they are through the air. I, I like the Texans to roll. I think that was kind of what you were getting at anyway. Uh, don't sleep on the Texans either because you kind of mentioned it I know the, the game last week was tough against the Vikings, but the Texans, kind of like the Giants, have had a brutal schedule early. They played arguably the three best teams in the AFC. Uh, if the Colts stumble a little bit and the Titans you know, are forfeiting games, believe it or not, the Texans may not be out of this. I believe they've made the playoffs twice in the last six years, starting 0-3 and 1-4 and either 4 or 1-3. So they are, you know, not out of it, still have a lot of talent. I like that play. Um, 
My other guy is Chase Edmonds. I'm going back to the well. I was so close to taking Kenyon Drake. We have had terrible <laughs> luck with Kenyon Drake. Absolutely. Go the on. reason I'm I'm taking Chase Edmonds is again he went up a little bit. He was 4,200 last week. This will probably be at the end of the year the pick I'll be most proud of because he was 4,200 bucks. I called a touchdown. He got it, and that, I knew it was only going to be on eight to ten carries. I think this is going to be the week you're going to see more. Kenyon Drake is averaging 3.4 yards per carry. We're four weeks into the season. They have not played a murder's row of rush defenses, and it's starting to affect Kyler Murray that they can't run the ball. He has looked awful the last two weeks. I expect Edmonds to get his normal 8 to 12 touches. He's electric enough that he could potentially, obviously, bust any of those for a touchdown. The Jets are trash. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> I think, unquestionably the worst team in the league. I, so there's I, a good I, chance, right, that the Cardinals get up big and Chase Edmonds may get some late carries in that scenario. Or I think if Kenyon Drake struggles, they're going to start, they're going to have to start to look in another way because all of a sudden, you know, the Cardinals were everybody's darlings two weeks in. And now through week four, people are going, is this team even any good? Uh, so I, I really like going back to that Chase Edmonds well, and I'm not going to guarantee he gets a touchdown, but I do guarantee that I think he's going to get above that 9.6 fantasy points, which is what he's averaged. And for 4,700, if he gets, say gets me again to the 12 to 15 point range, I'm going to be very happy because that's a bargain play. And again, the Jets are 28th, uh, tied or excuse me, they're 28th against opposing rank. And if you do want to go with Kenyon Drake, I don't hate it because he's 5,700. They keep lowering the price. But he's this is kind of it for him. If he doesn't have a good game this week against this defense, I don't know if it's going to happen for Kenyon Drake. And I worry if I'm a Kenyon Drake owner and a, a season-long fantasy league. No, absolutely. I'd be about to hit that panic button. <laughs> like you said, this is it. It's this week. If it doesn't happen... I mean, shoot, if it doesn't happen, the Cardinals need to realize it and start giving Chase Edmonds more carries. Um, so my bargain pick this week is Antonio Gibson for 5000 I almost took him. I love this play. Now, this has nothing to do with the QB change. I would like this pick regardless. Oh, did they officially? I didn't read this. So they benched Haskins. Yes. He is actually wow. the third string QB now. Why? Well, because he's, as I'll get to, I was going to mention this later because I have a, another Washington player in pick, but Haskins, out of QBs to start two games this year, dead last in PFF grade, dead last in QBR. I, I know it's only four games, but it's year two, and he's been the worst quarterback in the league. How many did he start last year, though? Do you know? I want to say Seven. Okay. Well, then that's a little different. I thought he only started a couple games, and I was thinking that's a little bit of an overreaction. But I do understand that the rest of Washington's team looks a little frisky. Like, if they had a little quarterback play. The defense has been pretty solid. They got good receivers. I mean, they have really good receivers. They just can't. McLaurin makes them regardless. Oh, he's amazing. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't want to mean to interrupt you. Go ahead and tell me why Antonio Gibson. I just I didn't right, know that so about him. The, the whole question with Antonio Gibson was simply how quickly would he become a major factor? Because last year in college, he only had, I think, 30-some receptions, 30-some carries. So he didn't have a ton of playing time, especially at running back. But 
averaged 11 yards per carry on those like 33 carries. I think he had like 38 receptions, 19 yards per catch. This guy just makes plays. Now he's getting the majority of the carries in Washington. He's had seven receptions over the last two weeks, so he's involved regardless of what's happening in the game plan. And then he's facing the Rams, who have been pretty good on pass defense. But they just, they've given up 100 yards rushing in every game this year, including last week against my New York Giants. <laughs> Where the Devontae Giants, Freeman and Gallman and... Yeah, Ooh. we came in through three weeks, <laughs> granted against good defenses, but through three weeks, we were averaging 57 yards on the ground. And with Barkley for a game and a half. <laughs> we had 136 rushing yards against the That's Rams insane. last week. That's so not good for the Rams. And I, regardless of who the QB is, Kyle Allen's coming in, you're still going to want to hit the run game as much as possible. I think their, their game plan has to be the Giants' game plan. Oh, for sure. Pound yeah, the ball, pound yep. shorten the game, try and come up with a couple turnovers, and that's how you win this game. So I think Antonio Gibson, he's going to be heavily involved, and he's a big play waiting to happen. I love that play. He was really close to being one of my guys uh, at running back. And also I looked at him at flex. Moving on to wide receiver, I went back and forth because I knew I was going to take a Seattle wide receiver. Like, (laughs) without a doubt, Minnesota is 30th uh, against wide receivers and fantasy points per game. Uh, If you need to know how bad they've been, Green Bay's top three pass catchers had 22 catches for 315 yards for four touchdowns. The Colts had a tight end named Allie Cox, who had uh, five receptions for 111 yards. In the uh, third game, they had three receivers against them that had 13 catches for 248 yards. And this last weekend, three receivers, and that was for the Texans who had been struggling 10 catches, 183 yards, and two touchdowns. I'm going with Tyler Lockett over Metcalf, and it's because of the targets. He's had 33 targets through four weeks, 29 the first uh, three. Last week, he only had four. Uh, They went to Moore a lot, actually, believe it or not. I think he led the team in targets. But, I mean, if you look at the other times, he had 29 targets in three games, I expect him to get back on that kind of deal. He's averaging 20.7 fantasy points per game. And again, Minnesota is, I mean, listen to that. I mean, if you remember, (laughs) Devontae Adams, I mean, he's been hurt. He, he, He put so much damage against that secondary that he was like, you know, I'm going to take the next month off. (laughs) You know, I I had 200 yards and three touchdowns. I'm just going to take a month off. Uh, I love both uh, Lockett and Metcalf. You make your own personal decision there. I don't think you can go wrong. I also like more. I mean, that's how bad Minnesota is. That's why I listed the top three receivers to show you that there's three guys in every game but the indie game, and they didn't throw it that much, that just torched the secondary. Uh, so I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett, but I like both of them. Who is your first guy, Joe? So I'm going to stay in that same game, but go on the opposite team and Adam Thielen at 7,000. So th- those were actually the three guys I looked at. I was like, I got to pick one of these three <laughs> guys because this game is going to be a shootout. Mm-hmm. I have I, with you on Lockett a little bit more than Metcalf because of the targets. And he's $200 cheaper, so why not? 
Um, but Thielen, I mean, they're going to be flinging it because I do not expect them to stop Seattle. Because weirdly, Miami seemed like the team that had the most success stopping Seattle. And they Even still they, scored 30 points. Yeah. Right? And they still and score 30. They yeah. still eventually got to big, big numbers. But Thielen this year, he's averaging 20.4 points per game. So he's given you his normal production. Now, Seattle's picked six passes off, which is why I would not really want to go with Kirk Cousins here. But when you're looking at wide receivers... That's a good uh, advice in both, you know, I say franchise and a fantasy football. Do not go with Kirk Cousins. But Seattle's giving up 400 yards a game passing. Not surprisingly, that leaves them dead last against wide receivers this year in fantasy. So I'm I'm really I love I like all the receivers in this game, but Thielen's the guy I like the most because I think he does have that more clear number one. Whereas there is the worry where like oh Lockett could have a get- big game but Metcalf won't and vice versa. So that's why I lean Thielen over those two. But I love every everyone involved in this game at wide receiver. I'm actually going to give you another receiver uh, for my bargain one, but uh, <laughs> my second guy and man, am I glad I drafted this guy in a couple of leagues because I was nervous about it. CD lamb versus the New York giants. The giants are 20th against the pass. Again, the giants have been a pretty good defense. When you look at the teams they played, the talent, it's actually pretty impressive that they're 20. It's 20th. mostly been the run D though. <laughs> exactly. No, it has. That's fair. Uh, CeeDee Lamb is averaging 17.1 fantasy points per game. More importantly, he is getting targets. He's got 29 targets through four games. He has 21 receptions, 309 yards. He had the two touchdowns last week. The big thing to me is the consistency. He's had at least five receptions in every game, at least six to nine targets in each game. And then again, this is a Giants defense that against Pittsburgh receivers, which was the best receiving core that they faced, 14 catches, 158 yards, and three touchdowns. And then the 49ers with Mullins as quarterback, their receiving core had 12 catches, 187 yards, and a touchdown. The one concern with Dallas is there's three really good receivers. I mean, there really is. And Cooper, obviously, you got Gallup and Lamb. Gallup has only had one good game. I think he is the one that I would fade the most. Cooper is the most expensive guy week to week. I think we talked about this two or last week with Lamb, or two weeks ago, excuse me. Of course, last week I didn't when he scored two touchdowns. Uh <laughs> Lamb is continuing to rise in price. You get him for fifty one hundred the first week I took him. It was fifty four hundred. I think last week he was fifty eight hundred. He's up to six thousand. We're only a couple games away to him probably being closer to what Cooper, Adam Thielen, those guys are. And he's just so explosive. And again, the Giants secondary is suspect. And it's just difficult because the Cowboys have so many weapons. And Lamb is honestly probably the third or fourth guy you got to worry about stopping. We know it's definitely Elliott, Cooper, and you could even add Prescott, and he's really benefiting from all the weapons that they have in Dallas. Yeah, and you know, to the point I was making earlier about you know knowing the matchups, where Cooper is going to have Bradbury on him, so that means he's going to have the toughest matchup. And then the other two are going to get to feast on Darnay Holmes and Isaac Gideon. I love how say feast. That's how I feel. And when it, and I, I think we mentioned this when you took Lamb two weeks ago. 
I just I would bet on the talent. I think Lamb's just a better mm-hmm. player than Gallup. So if they both have a great matchup, I would bet on Lamb. I think by the end of the year, he's actually going to be the better player than Cooper, too. I just think he's so explosive. Like, I, so I, explosive. I loved him coming out. I, I did, too. He's a top receiver. And it was crazy. He went like, you know, lucky-ass Cowboys. No, I hated it so much. Sons of bitches. Who's your second <laughs> receiver? So my second receiver is a, a guy who's kind of been a surprise, Robbie Anderson. I love 6, this play. Love he's, this play. He's, to my <laughs> disappointment, because I have DJ Moore in a season-long league, Robbie Anderson looks like the number one receiver there. He's had at least five receptions in every game. He's had 99 or more yards in three out of four. He's averaging eight and a half targets. And again, he is facing the Atlanta Falcons, who are giving up 340 yards per game passing and a league-worst 13 touchdowns. So I'm I'm probably just going to double up in at least a couple of mine and just take Bridgewater and him and just ride that. It would probably be the smartest thing you can do. Uh, I mean... Anderson has just been incredible. And I'm going to go ahead and talk about him a little bit because he's one of my flexes. Uh, The Falcons' defense against the top two receiving options that they face this year. And Robbie Anderson is, without a doubt, Carolina's number one, especially with McCaffrey gone. His targets, I believe he's had 10, 12, and 14 targets in the last three games. So, I mean, they are throwing it to him. The Falcons gave up 12 receptions for 187 yards and a touchdown to the Seattle duo. 12 receptions, 206 yards against the Cowboys' top two, which was Lamb and Cooper. 12 receptions for 164 yards and two touchdowns to the Bears' top two, which Robinson's a good quarter or receiver, but Miller, I mean, come on. And then again, where it just proved a running back and a receiver – 14 catches, 193 yards, and three touchdowns. That is the top two receivers uh, for, you know, the two teams has had at least 12 receptions each game, at least 165 combined yards, and that is six touchdowns. And again, Robbie Anderson is by far their number one receiver. I Robbie Anderson is the guy this week that he will be on every lineup I do. And I rarely ever do that. But there is no reason with the production that he's had this year, the target he's getting, and then the just abysmal matchup not to take him. You would be really kicking yourself if you do not. I, I love this play. Uh, and I love that you have him at receiver. He's my flex, but I just think that is such a great pick. Is there anything you want to add on Robbie before I give my value guy? Um, no, I, th- I think we covered it. I mean, he's killing it. He's facing a terrible defense. Are he's you surprised? Very, You're a Giants fan, expensive. so I'm sure you pay attention to the Jets. Are you surprised he's been this good? Because I'm shocked. I did not see this kind of talent, and it makes no. me wonder, like, how good is Darnold? Because I mean, Bridgewater is a good professional quarterback. But I don't think he's out of this world. But, I mean, how Carolina looks frisky since they've lost oh, they McCaffrey. Do. They're 2-2 two and two now. Their I mean, defense like, looks good. I mean, like, they look like a legitimate frisky team. And I'm shocked the Falcons are favored in this game. And they are by two and a half points. 
I, you know, I love my Falcons. I would take the Panthers <laughs> and those points, and I buy the hook, take the three points all day long. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I expected Anderson to beat out Samuel and be the number two, but I was not expecting anything like this. The one thing I'll say is I'm not sure it's so much Darnold versus Bridgewater as it is Adam Gase versus Joe Brady. <laughs> very, very fair. And I forgot that they hired him. You know, a lot of credit to Carolina that they took a chance on a coach. He obviously brought in the hot prospect from college to be there. He's the offensive coordinator right now, just the quarterback's coach. He's the, he's the OC. Yeah, and I mean, uh, he, he did wonders for LSU. Ironically, my last guy is an LSU guy. How about Justin Jefferson at 5,500? Oh, yeah. He is the guy that, you know, there's a few guys, and we've talked about this several times, that it takes DraftKings longer than it should to figure out that somebody's value is way too low. He is at $5,500. He's averaging 15.7 points per game. The last two games, he has 14 targets, 11 receptions, 278 yards, and a touchdown. It's another reason why I love your Adam Thielen pick. I think the better Jefferson gets, we see that with Diggs. It's only going to increase Thielen's value because they can't double and triple team in on every play. Right now, Jefferson is taking advantage of that, but eventually they're going to have to even out the coverage, and that's going to help Thielen out. I think that may start this week. And then you just talked about how bad Seattle's secondary is. I wanted to, again, I, I keep, you know, I did some research this week just to kind of show how bad these defenses are. The top three receivers for the Falcons in week one had 27 receptions, 401 yards, and two touchdowns. The top three receivers in the second matchup for the Seahawks had 14 receptions, 209 yards. That was the Patriots and three touchdowns. The Cowboys had their four receivers had 25 receptions, 396 yards, and three touchdowns. And then this is a shocking one. The Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick's top three receivers had nine receptions, 240 yards, and a touchdown. There is a reason we had both Vikings receivers. Their secondary is so bad. And yes, you could say, well, they were up in the Falcons game. They were up in the Cowboys game, but not that much. And the Pats game was close, and the Dolphins game was close. Their secondary is just really bad. Well, Cousins is the only thing that fears me because Cousins <laughs> can have a stinker. Uh, but if he is true. just even remotely good and Dalvin Cook does what he does each week, I think he's been the best pure running back in football this season. I see Jefferson and Thielen just going bananas on the secondary. Yeah, I'm I'm upset with myself in season long that I didn't get Justin Jefferson in any leagues because I I was high on him, but I was like ah you know he's he's more of a slot guy in college, so it might take Kirk some time. Cousins is quarterback, yeah. <laughs> but here he is; he's being productive a month into his rookie year. So Again, eleven catches, two hundred seventy-eight yards the last two games, and what's impressive yeah. is fourteen targets, turning that into eleven receptions. That's really impressive for a rookie. Who's your third guy, Joe? So right before I get to my third guy, I just looked this up. So Robbie Anderson is ninth among wide receivers in PPR, which is what DraftKings uses. So that's ahead of Odell Beckham, Allen Robinson, Mike Evans, and Keenan Allen. 
And again, what was his value? 6,000, and he's playing the Atlanta Falcons this week. 6,000. Again, C.D. Lamb is the same. Adam Thielen is $1,000 more. Tyler Lockett's $900 more. And he's playing the Falcons. Run to Robbie Anderson. All right, and then to get to my third guy, I'm rolling the dice on one of my New York Giants here. I'm going with Darius Slayton at 4,800. He had the big week against Pittsburgh to open the season. He scored like 31. He has not broken eight points since then. Yeah, he's killed me. I've had him a couple of times. Yeah, I think I have too. (laughs) But the important thing is he's still getting at least six targets every week. I've mentioned this, I think, every week that we talk about the Giants at all. He is the downfield threat. He's the only one. Yeah, Golden Tate's not going downfield anymore. No, and I don't know why, but Evan Ingram for like the last three years has not been used that way. Evan Ingram scared me a little bit. I was so high on him this year. I thought with the Barkley injury, I looked it up. He was, he had a huge burst after uh, when Barkley was injured. Was it two years ago or last year? I think it would have been last year. Last year. During like the middle of, like middle, late, I guess. He had like an MCL sprain or something, Yeah, he missed a few weeks. And those games, Ingram had a ton of targets, a ton of receptions. He just, I think, you know, he's turning into the uh, modern-day Jared Cook. Like, all the talent in the world. That feels too true. It just, you know, I mean, I guess the good news, if y'all hold on to him, is hopefully he'll finally have that Jared Cook, you know, career that he's had the last couple of seasons. But... I need Ingram because I have him in a bunch in uh, yearly leagues this year, and I continue to take him on DraftKings because he's cheap. But go ahead with Darius Slayton. But yeah, I just Slayton's number one receiver. He's the only guy they throw deep to. He's obviously shown that connection over the last season and in that Pittsburgh game with Daniel Jones that they can find each other going deep, and I think the, the opportunity is going to be there at Dallas. The, the whole defense has just played poorly. I know uh, RC <laughs> was posting like the PFF grade for like last week's game, and it was just all there was no good grade. Everyone was bad. So the corner play has been bad. They haven't been getting, you know, Alan Smith's been all right sometimes, but no one else is getting pressure. Uh, that probably will change this week because the Giants' O line is trash, but. You know the the Giants. They struggle with the Giants typically, right? Like, no, I mean, it typically. Depends. We never know year to year. <laughs> so one other little stat. I don't know if you heard this. The Cowboys are zero and four against the spread. Love the last time they were zero and four against the spread was nineteen eighty nine. When they went one and say, fifteen, that was the like Troy Aikens rookie year, right? Yeah, and they should be zero and four. Like, do not forget if it wasn't for my Atlanta Falcons doing what they do, which is blowing a game that seems unbelievable that you can blow. They would be zero and four, and then the, the Eagles would have a commanding one and a half game lead, which is insane. <laughs> insane. I mean, really, if you're the Giants oh, and the Redskins. You're in this. That division is not good. Uh, I could see like seven, eight wins winning that division. Uh, so, you know, this is a big game for New York. If they can win it, again, they had a pretty tough start to their schedule. It's going to ease up a little bit. I want to see something from Danny Dimes. Uh, let's move on to the tight end. I'm going to start with, in my opinion, just Mr. Consistency. It's Darren Waller. He's at $5,900. 
Uh, Darren just, I mean, he's incredible. He really is. If you don't know Darren Waller's story, it, it's a, actually a really cool one. He uh, he had a drug problem at a young age. He's overcame that. Uh, and the Chiefs defense has been good, but it's not been great against the tight ends. Waller is averaging 15.4 points per game. The Chiefs are 18th against tight ends, so they have given up points to it. Waller has 40 targets through four weeks for 29 receptions, 247 yards, and a touchdown. And then just kind of showing what I was saying about the Chiefs. The Texans, who don't really have a tight end, I guess Aikens, he had two receptions for 39 yards and a touchdown. The Chargers, Hunter Henry, had six catches for 83 yards. And the Ravens, Mark Andrews, had three catches for 22 yards. But you got to remember that the Ravens, like, smoked uh, them in that game. Or, excuse me, were smoked in that game. Yeah, the Chiefs got kind of out of their game plan. They're not good at playing from behind. We know that. And the Pats don't have any tight ends. They had, like, three catches for 15 yards. Waller is a lot like Hunter Henry. I think he's more athletic. I could see him having a very similar line to what Henry did, that six for 80 yards. Worst case, that's 14 points. I'd take that in a heartbeat. He throws in a touchdown. You're talking about 20. And again, Waller just, I mean, 40 targets. That's 10 targets per game. You're always going to take that. And as Joe mentioned earlier, more than likely the Raiders are going to be down. So if they are down, that's good for Waller. He's my number one tight end. Who's yours uh, this week? So mine is also Waller. So oh, I'll, awesome. I don't have a I don't have a ton to add. I think he's I think I picked him three straight weeks. Why is it? I mean, he's one of the best options, and they're not pricing him like they are these other guys. And I think it's kind of crazy because he's getting more targets than Kelsey. He's getting yeah. more targets than Andrews, Higby, all these guys that are priced above him. So here, here's the key thing for this matchup against Kansas City. Kansas City, again, we expect them to be winning. So Oakland's going to need to pass the ball. Kansas City's been number one in fantasy against opposing receivers. They're number 18 oh, against tight ends. They're so, number one against opposing receivers. Right? Which it's going to be exactly why they're 16 the, and 0, man. That's why they're the best team in football. But. Wow. You're, they're dealing with a team that doesn't even throw to their receivers that much, so it <laughs> wants to feed the tight end. So this is a perfectly built game for Waller. Check down Carr. He, he yeah. is just terrified yeah. to throw it down the field. So I want to give a sport or a you know definitely a, a warning on my next pick. There's a chance this game may not happen. It's starting to look like that. <laughs> if not, Janu Smith is. Right behind Robbie Anderson, my favorite play this week. He is quietly, and I want to pat myself on the back because I drafted him in three of my four season-long leagues, like, late. Uh, he has 16.4 points per game this year. That's one of the top tight ends in football. He has 20 targets in three games, 13 receptions for 181 yards, three touchdowns. And we have talked about the Bills' defense versus tight ends. It is bad. They are the Arizona Cardinals of last year. The Jets' tight ends had six receptions for 37 yards in the first game. The Dolphins' Galeski had eight receptions for 130 yards and a touchdown the second game. The Rams' uh, tight ends of Everett and Higby 
combined for four receptions for 74 yards and a rushing touchdown for Everett. And then obviously the Raiders and Waller had nine receptions for 88 yards. Tannehill really likes throwing to Janu Smith. I actually think that Brown coming back is only going to help Smith because it's going to open the middle of the field up more because they're going to have actually two explosive receivers on the outside. If this game happens, uh, whether or not Brown plays, I love Janu Smith this week. If he is, for whatever reason, not owned in your fantasy football leagues, your season long, go pick him up right now. Like, he is going to be a top five. Like, I think he is the Mark Andrews of this year that at the end of the year, people are going to be going, why the hell did we not pick this guy up the week, week, you know, like four or five? And he seems to be more of a consistent part of the game plan than even Andrews and Kelsey because there's not the other weapons around him because if Derrick Henry is not running as well, which he just is not yet this season, he is their number two receiving option. Even in the game that Brown played this year, he was still the number two targeted receiver. I love Janu Smith. And again, he is at $4,900. That is stealing. I actually like him in the flex, potentially, if you're looking for a cheap flex as well. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if he if he's available, pick him up in your season long. And then also realize that you better win that league because the people in your league are not very smart. Exactly. He, he is still, I think, only owning like 86 or 87% that, of leagues when I looked at it. On that's his, insane. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, I I like that pick. Um, I'm going with Hunter Henry. I am a little confused why he's all the way down at 4,300. I can't figure that out. I I almost had him at my flex just because it's. I mean, it's crazy. That's that's cheaper than Chase Edmonds, who is getting eight touches a game as a running back. Right, Henry's. I feel like he's the number two generally in that offense. Oh, for sure. Behind Keenan and Eckler is out now, so you yep. gotta assume that's gonna open up some passes. He's had double digit fantasy points three out of four weeks, and he hasn't even scored a touchdown yet. So he's giving you the double digit points without scoring a touchdown. And he traditionally gr- scores touchdowns when he's healthy. And the, the great news he's playing the New Orleans Saints, they've given up a touchdown to a tight end every single week. Five touchdowns total. The Saints are 31st against tight ends because they're giving up every week. So take Hunter Henry. He's going to give you the double-digit points without the touchdown. So if he gets that, now you're looking at 20 points, potentially, from a guy who costs 4300 It's outrageous. Uh, my value guy, which I don't know if you can get more value than Hunter Henry at 4300 is M. Alley Cox for the Indianapolis Colts. He's 4,200. The last three games, he has 11 targets, nine receptions, 174 yards, and two touchdowns. I should have remembered this. I didn't. Phillip Rivers loves tight ends and running backs. Yeah. He always has. He's, he threw to Hunter Henry a ton. We obviously know about his relationship with Antonio Gates. Cox may end up being the Colts' number one receiver this year because T.Y. Hilton looks like he's done. Like, done. He's done nothing this year. And, oh, by the way, Cox is playing a Cleveland defense that is dead last. And think about what we just said about the Saints, the Bills, etc. This Cleveland defense in four games 
The Ravens had five receptions, 58 yards and two touchdowns, their tight ends did. The Bengals tight ends had eight receptions, 71 yards, two touchdowns. The Cowboys tight ends had four receptions, 72 yards and one touchdown. And the Redskins with Logan Thomas, who both me and Joe love, but is definitely not a stud. He had four catches for 47 yards against this horrible Cleveland defense against tight ends. And the Cleveland defense is actually good against everything else. Like they're more in the upper rank and they're dead last against tight. I can almost guarantee you that Cox is going to be a focal point this week. And unless Cleveland has figured something out that they haven't in the first four weeks, a lot like with Hunter Henry for 4,200, not only do I like those guys at tight end, if you want to put them as a flex, it's not a terrible play because, again, he's had 11 targets, nine catches, 174 yards, and two touchdowns in the last three games. That is a lot of value for 4200 bucks. Yeah, the, the middle of the field against Cleveland just seems to be wide open. I mean, I think that they're starting B.J. Goodson, who's an ex-Giants linebacker. That's always a bad sign. Their safety play has been pretty awful this year. So, and like you said, that's that's a great point. Like Philip Rivers just loves tight ends and running backs, and Cox has been the guy he's built a connection with super fast. I actually thought, yeah, I thought he was a receiver the first time I watched him. I was holy shit, he's a tight end. And so my my bargain guy, I'm addicted to him. Eventually, Logan. he's gonna hit, or I'm a, I'm I'm holding out. It's gotta I happen. Love it. Logan Thomas, thirty five hundred. Here's the thing with Logan Thomas, fifth, tied for fifth among tight ends and targets. His floor is great, though. I mean, that's, 20, that's what I argued last week. What's he scored? Eight to ten points each week, points. right? Yeah. Fifth in targets, 23rd in fantasy points. But he's, he's at least so consistent. Like, he's had the one game with a touchdown where he had 14. But I believe every other game he's had eight, nine points. You've had guys – you know, that are the top tight ends like Higby, yeah. Andrews that have had games where they scored like four points. He's at least giving you a, seat, you know, like a very low floor. And again, if he gets a touchdown, what is he, 3,500? Holy crap, man. Right. Now you're on the way to building a winner. Crazy low risk. And here's the thing with that with the fifth and targets, 23rd and fantasy points. Either it means. Washington's really screwed up and they've been forcing the ball to a guy who's totally trash or he's bound to start being more productive. And, and again, they just benched their quarterback, so it obviously shows they don't think the quarterback was doing a good job of getting right. the ball to their weapons. So to me, this is kind of this is this is the Kenyon Drake week. This is the all right, it's a new QB. Kyle Allen's not a good QB, but I didn't think he was that bad in Carolina, honestly, last year. I mean, uh, my guess is by the end of the year, it's going to be Alex Smith. We'll see. I, I hope so. That would be such a great comeback. That would be amazing. Him. That's definitely what I'm rooting for. But for this week, I'm hoping Kyle Allen gives a little bit of a boost, finds that connection with Logan Thomas, because the opportunity's been there. He just hasn't been on the same page with the QB. And again, considering that QB was dead last among QBs, who started two games this year in PFF and QBR, I like the odds that this is the week we see some real numbers from Logan Thomas. I love it. Uh, going to the flexes, I, I talked about Robbie Anderson. There's no point going over him. He's a must-own. 
So I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I really pay attention to the opponent rank. I hardly ever go against it. There's one exception this week. It is Keenan frickin' Allen. He is averaging 18.2 points per game. In the last three games since Herbert took over, Keenan Allen has had 41 targets in three games. That is outrageous. That is almost 15 targets a game. In those, he has 28 receptions, 288 yards, and a touchdown. Like, I just, that's un. Like it's unbelievable for a guy to get that share. That, that's Michael Thomas last year. Exactly, and it's hard to the, the the really hard thing to believe is he's only had one touchdown. Now you need to remember that you said Kansas City's number one against the receivers. He had a really good game, but he didn't score a touchdown. The Bucks have a really good defense. Again, he had a really good game. I think he did score a touchdown this last week, but this week again. This is where sometimes I get a little confused about the matchups and what they mean because the Saints are fifth against wide receivers. But if you look at the top two wide receivers versus New Orleans this year in the Bucks game, the top two receivers had 11 receptions for 152 yards. The top two receivers for the Raiders, now this is including Darren Waller, but they had 14 receptions for 147 yards and a touchdown. The top three receivers for the Packers had 14 receptions, 232 yards, and two touchdowns. And the top two receivers for the Lions had six receptions, 119 yards, and a touchdown. So I don't totally understand, unless it's just the matchup of the top corner on Allen. But again, if he is getting 15 targets a game, I don't give a damn if Deion Sanders is out there in his prime. <laughs> I'm going to take my chances because Herbert being a young quarterback, actually a very young, impressive looking quarterback. I was so wrong on him. I think he's going to be really I've been good. surprised by how good he's been. Like really good. He looks very poised. He's huge. He can run. He's got a big arm. Uh, I just think Allen is going to get at least – seven, eight receptions because Keenan has great hands. He's a great route runner. Uh, I just, I see him this week having a big game because again, 41 targets and 28 receptions for 288 yards in those last three games. That is insane. I was shocked that I did not notice that trend before last week when he had a really good game. And when I saw it this week, I was like, oh, I'm pounding that. I don't care if they're the fifth ranked defense against uh, fantasy uh, wide receivers or not. Give me uh, some of your flexes this week, Joe. So I also want to say I, I love that pick. I, I, I'm with you. You know, normally I don't want to go against the team that's, you know, had good numbers against opposing receivers. But yeah, that that usage is nuts. And then Marshawn Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins both missed last week, and they're questionable. Well, that's for right. Time. I forgot about so that. If they're if they out, don't, he's a must-start. And then even if they do play, they shift Allen around enough. I think he plays about half of his snaps in the slot. So even then, you're not facing the top corner. So and the floor is just so And remember, Eckler just went out too. Yeah, exactly. So, So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm with you 100% on that one. 
So I also like a, another guy at 6,400, and that's Chris Carson. Mm-hmm. He's the clear number one in Seattle. Unlike a lot of the other running backs I've mentioned, he's been scoring consistent touchdowns, probably because Seattle's off. Off. I say the plan every week <laughs> in one of my leagues, and it's like, freaking Chris Carson's killing me. I, I I was angry I didn't get him this year in any of my leagues. I, I love because he was available like the I want to say like the third fourth round late. And yeah, he's, he's scored five touchdowns. The one thing he's really improved on in his time in Seattle is he's gotten increasingly involved in the passing game. He's had at least three receptions in every single game, and actually I think three of his five touchdowns are receiving touchdowns. So they're they're utilizing him in every way. And the Vikings defense is actually now they're like yards per carry isn't bad, but because the Vikings tend to find themselves losing, they're 24th in rushing yards allowed. Well, and also remember that when your secondary is that bad, a lot of times I've seen this all the time. You know, say Lockett and Metcalf have a huge game, but they keep getting tackled at even the three right. four yard line. It's just yep. easy money for Carson's. So I I really like him. I I think you're looking at 6,400. It's a really good deal. Him and Keenan Allen, I love both of them at that point. I do too. You got any other flex guys you want to give? All right. So you know what? You might be surprised by this one. I like Todd Gurley at 5,700. He's shown some life the last two weeks. I've actually been surprised. It sucks that our season's over. Uh, but maybe we can make, you know, maybe he'll do good this week and we can get some value out of him with a trade. That's honestly what I'm hoping for as a Falcons fan this week. I think, you know, what we've seen from Gurley this year is a lot like what we've seen last year where clearly he's way past his elite days. He's not going to bust out, you know, a 150-yard game or anything, but he finds the end zone. Obviously part of that's just people give him the opportunity, but – he comes uh, he's off he's one of the better touchdown scorers in the last couple of decades. I mean, if you really look about it, even in the years that he's you know not put up MVP type numbers, he's always double digit touch. I think he's already had like sixty something touchdowns. You know, he's only been in the league like six years or maybe more than that, right? Sure. Well, better keep talking. Off the top about of my head, I don't know, but I would I would think at least sixty. Uh, he's had fourteen carries at least in every game. He scored a touchdown in three of four games and the Carolina Panthers have given up seven rushing touchdowns. So I think there's a really good chance he finds the end zone. And I mean, if a guy finds the end zone and he's getting 14 carries for 5,700, that's going to be enough to have. He has 74 touchdowns in 77 games. There you go. It's pretty amazing. So I, I don't love him. I'm not like, oh, I'm for sure having him in my lineups. But I think he, there's some value there with him at 5,700. And then one lower tier guy, I'm not all in on this one because my Giants have actually defended tight ends fairly well. But Dalton Schultz has been really productive since he took over in week two. He's only 4,800. He's averaging... Eight targets, six catches, and 69 yards over the last three weeks. And he's caught two touchdowns. So this is a, a guy who's been super productive. He's only 4,800. Now, again, I there's a reason I put Hunter Henry 
and not Schultz when we were talking tight ends because Henry at 4,300 is insane to me. But I I don't hate the idea of you get Henry at 4,300, you throw in Schultz at 4,800 for your flex, and you spend yeah. a bunch of money somewhere else. I, I That's something that I'm noticing, and I'm going to start doing it more in some of these single-entry lineups, is loading up at running back and, say, like the top two receivers or a top quarterback, a top running back and two receivers – and then, you know, there's enough good tight ends now in the league where you could start two tight ends in that 4,500 to 6,000 range. And like what I was saying with an Allie Cox or a Honey of Henry or a Janu Smith or a Darren Waller, the targets are there that if you look at the receivers, they're not going to get that many targets. You know what I mean? Like the receivers yeah. in that are the second, third option where Darren Waller is the number one option for receiving in uh, Las Vegas. Cox, I really believe with what I've seen out of the Colts receiving core, is probably going to end up being the season the number one option. Janu Smith is almost definitely the number two at worst, number three option in Tennessee. That's something definitely to tinker with. Joe, we've gone a little long. Uh, let's. I'm going to just give the defenses that we have this week. We won't really explain it because they're defenses and they don't make much difference. <laughs> and then I just want to spend like five, ten minutes talking the uh, NBA Finals real quick. Real quickly, just my teams. I have the Steelers at 3,800 this week. The Chiefs versus the Raiders at 3,500. And then my surprise is the Browns versus Indy at 2,700. Who do you have? So I also like the Steelers. I think they're going to get a ton of pressure. So I like that one. Wentz is going to die. (laughs) Yeah, they're number one against the run, and they get a ton of pressure. I don't see how the Eagles Bad news for Philly, especially when you have one healthy receiver. Exactly, exactly. And he's not even a good receiver. No, he's not. Tier two, I this is my favorite play this week. It's a, kind of like a replay of last week. Right. Last week I said Indy against Chicago. This week, Tampa Bay against Chicago. I don't know why anyone thinks Chicago's offense is good. Tampa Bay's been an elite defense this year. That Saints game, they gave up some points, but also Tom Brady gave up some points. But they're forcing turnovers. Even the Chargers game, yeah. they gave up 30 points. I think they had, like, what, three or four sacks and two turnovers? They're top four in turnovers, sacks, and yardage. Yeah, that's all good things, especially when, again, the biggest team score, like, nine points. You can give up 28 points and have, exactly. you know, four sacks, two picks, and you're going to score in that seven- to ten-point range, which is what you're looking for. And then my, my roll of the dice, I'm going back to Houston. Again, I think this is going to be – they're all going to be jacked up. The Bill O'Brien's gone. And just for some history, Romeo Cornell, defensive coordinator for the Chiefs in 2011. They're 5-8. and eight, Fire Todd Haley. The following week, they played the 13-0 and 0 Green Bay Packers, number one offense in the league. The Packers scored 14 points and lost the game. So I'm just saying – did Maybe we go history. deep with some of these stats and info this week or what? We nerded out a little bit, bro. So maybe history repeats. And again, they're <laughs> not it. playing the Green Bay Packers. They're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, real quick, five, ten minutes on these finals. A couple of takeaways, and I just want your opinion on it. All right. Anthony Davis. I think I'm ready to say he's the best defender I've ever seen. After watching him... Guard Jimmy Butler, seeing him just 
dominate these playoffs on the defensive side. The Miami Heat were passing up layups left and right. And I realized, because I rewind it back, it's because Anthony Davis was lurking. I think they were really worried that the second they go up for that layup, Davis would just block them. I've just I've never seen a guy with that kind of speed, athleticism, and I just I'm absolutely amazed. Is there anybody in the league that he can't guard? It would be interesting to see him actually try to guard like Steph Curry. <laughs> Which we'll probably get to see next year because oh, the Warriors man, will be good again. Worse. Yes, they're going to be. <laughs> the Warriors are going to come back with a vengeance. I keep telling people the West is going to be a lot of fun next year. Warriors, Lakers, Clippers. Oh, it's, it's going to be nuts. Uh, I, so, I don't know if I'm willing to say he's the best defender I've ever seen. So who would you, who would but, you say? Just curious. That's hard. Because uh, the hard thing with defense is – I mean, big men have traditionally just mattered so much more. I didn't really see a lot of, like, Hakeem, but Hakeem was amazing. Tim Duncan, I think, still gets underrated defensively. It's insane that he never won a defense but I don't think either of those guys could guard Jimmy Butler. Probably not. I, maybe, I don't know. Very, like, early on, I think they would have been close. KG was close early, in his early days. It would it'd be hard to say. The league was also different. There's just so much more switching now. Oh, yeah. Guys are asked to do more. I, I mean, I'm, it was really cool to see them. You know, Butler was again killing them for a second straight yeah. game and something was about to be a series. And Davis said, I got him. Like, he, from yeah. what I read, from what LeBron said, he goes, you know, he's the best defensive player in the league. He just happens to be our center, and he said, I got him, guys. Don't worry. And, I mean, Butler did nothing in the fourth quarter, really. It it really reminds me of his year at Kentucky where – Oh, yes, you're right. I forgot about that. His stats weren't crazy. It wasn't like he was putting up – But he had so many blocks and stuff. I forgot about that. He just did whatever needed to be Mm -hmm. done for them to win a game day in, day out. And And I think having LeBron frees him to not have that pressure to be the man – in the same way that at Kentucky, he was the man, but there was a not, there was so much talent around him, he didn't have to carry that burden, and now he's free to just do whatever it is that the team needs on any given night. All right, so second thing. How ironic is it with all the shit that Clutch, the Lakers, took for the KCP contract <laughs> that he was a legit hero in a he huge game for 15 points, hit two of the biggest shots late in the game. And I got to tell you, his defense was phenomenal this entire series. Actually, the whole playoffs. He's played really good defense. That it, was, it was definitely surprising. I just want to be clear, though, that for the series – Oh, he was garbage the first three He's shooting 34% yeah. no, 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 and 29% from three. So he's had – it was a key game, obviously, because if he doesn't step up, maybe they lose that game or an entire game. It's a whole different ball game. Which, that, that's, I guess, that's all you're asking for KCP. Have that one or two games where you step up when we need you. But you would so, think he would be last on that list. And I just, I've heard so many people, and rightfully so, because it, it looks like it was a clutch it was still bad. <laughs> LeBron deal, you know, that 
you know, it, it was an inside deal that he got the yeah. money and deal that he did, but it just, to me, was ironic. Okay, third thing. I don't know if there's a harder person to kind of classify and discuss their career than Rajon Rondo. Oh, he <laughs> is one of the smartest, savviest basketball players I've ever seen. He's about to probably win a second championship. He's been a, I mean, he's been a, a big part of this. He was hurt, came back, obviously. I don't know if I know, uh, can ever remember a non-big man that could affect a game in such a big way, the way he can without scoring. Yeah, he really is kind of a bizarre, unique player. I mean, because on the the like latter Celtics team, like the one that pushed, oh, he was so the incredible. Heat, that that one year where LeBron just he had was the best head. player, arguably in that series with LeBron, yeah, until, like basically his peak. Until LeBron, those last two games where he took over and was like, "Ah, oh, we're not losing to the Celtics." Right, Rondo probably was the best player for the first five games of that series. Which is in, like it just feels insane. It's like he was I know, incredible in the finals they won against the Lakers too. Is I think like a first or second year guy. I, I think that was his second season. And then what the what really drove his value home to me was as a Bulls fan. He had the one year in Chicago. Oh, that's right. The, uh, that was really when the playoff Rondo thing took off, right? And well, I think it already existed because the you know the Celtics years, but. We were up against the Celtics, and we were like the seven seed or so, eight seed. I don't know. We were not expected to win that series at all. We won like 42 games that year. We won the first two games in Boston, and Rondo was literally calling out the plays Boston was running. And then he got hurt, and they swept us in the yeah. next four games. But it was just like, oh, this guy is so fucking smart. How brilliant was that layup at the end of the game? He had set that up three or oh, four times, awesome. and you could tell Bam was just like, "Damn, he got me!" Because I, I mean, he literally was shot he made. But... It was. It was his only bucket. He had, I believe, though, like seven, eight assists, yeah. three, four rebounds. You know, two, three steals, a block, like a typical Rondo number. I just, I don't know if I can ever remember a non. Because you know, there's Draymond Greens. There's there's bigger yeah. guys that can affect games that way. But, I mean, he's, he's a point guard. Like, it's just hard to remember in, like, modern, like, the last 20. I mean, hell, even going further back, a guard that can really have that kind of impact. It just, I mean, most nights he doesn't score. Uh, two more things. The Heat. I feel like this season reminds me of a lot of the Spurs who lost to the Heat and then came back the next year and won the championship. Am I crazy to think that Miami, if they bring everything back, maybe add one more piece, they could end up winning the finals, even with all that talent in the West? Because I really think they're, you know, kind of like that Spurs, the 04 Pistons, just that really complete basketball team that I do think this is a different series that they don't have the injuries of Bam and Gordon Dragic because – those are both the two guys that you could argue, obviously, with Butler that could probably attack the Lakers the best. I mean, yeah, they lost their second and third best players for, what, half of game one and then all of two and three. Mm-hmm. Like, and again, like amazing. Jimmy Butler won what, game what three. A performance. Yep. 
because the, the Lakers probably should have swept them after mm-hmm. those two guys went down. The series should have been a hundred percent over. Instead, it's like ninety percent over. Right. But I mean, I I don't think that's crazy. I think you know, there's obviously issues. I think the Bucks are going to be desperate to try and make additions because they know that the clock's ticking there where Giannis is going to bail if they don't do something. And then, you know, the Celtics, if Gordon Hayward is there that whole series, I don't know that that one doesn't end differently. But, I mean, if I think the key is probably can Jimmy stay at this level? Because he's in his 30s now, so you never know. And how big of a step up does, like, Hero, Robinson, Bam, those guys make? But that's why I think they have the chance, though. Because, I mean, the, the key to that, Spurs team was Kawhi didn't fully become Kawhi that next year, That's very but fair. he became enough of who he was going to be that it made the difference where they became a dominant team. That was the finals, right? Where LeBron, when Kawhi checked in to guard him, he was like, "Damn!" Like, yeah. I mean, like he just knew, like, this is going to be. Uh, I, I remember being geared up for. I was like, "All right, here's round two. It's going to be <laughs> going to be tough." And then they just smoked him. It wasn't even close. That Spurs team was incredible. Okay, and last thing, because I know we've taken a ton of time. <laughs> uh, I hate the narrative that LeBron is not clutch. It's not statistically it's correct. It's, 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 it's something that haters say, whether they're you know Jordan fans, whether it's they don't like LeBron the person, whatever. He proved again last night. That three in the third quarter, and I think he scored like seven of the next ten points in about like a three-minute span, you could feel not only that game but the series slipping away from the Lakers. And I really believe the Heat win that game. Now you're talking about all the pressures on the Lakers. I mean all of it because they're heavy favorites. You just talked about how two players are down. And then the fact that LeBron, who is like – you can't argue he's a bad free throw shooter. He always has been. It's been to me the one thing I've been shocked he's never really gotten great at because he works so hard at his game. You know, there's all these things he's added and improved over his career. Seven of seven in the fourth quarter, 10 of 12 in the game. And, you know, people always talk about Jordan having that killer instinct. I felt like LeBron last night showed that he also has that killer instinct because when that game got to be a one-point game before he hit that three, they called a timeout, and it just LeBron just had that look on it like, okay, AD's not playing a great game. Uh, I'm just going to take over and win this. Like, And apparently it came out, he texts the team just uh, two words uh, around lunchtime the day of. It just said, must win. And when they met, he said, we have to win this game. We have to win this game. Uh, so I just – I hope this puts it to bed. I think that people are going to really regret, um, you know, talking so much trash and, you know, harping on LeBron so much. He is without a doubt the most talked about, most, uh, you know, argued about, the, you know, most polarizing athlete probably ever. Um and he's about to win his fourth championship and his 10th NBA finals. And he's 36 fucking years old. And I love how he's averaging 28, 10, and 8, or 28, 11, and 8. And people are going, 8 AD should be the MVP. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. When did AD win anything before LeBron? LeBron's done plenty of winning. I mean, he dragged a team to the finals against the Pistons. 
I just, I'm amazed. And uh, I think Jordan's the GOAT. I tell people that I grew up in the 90s. He'll always be. But if LeBron wins, like, say, one or two more titles, which with him and AD together, it's and LeBron doesn't look like he's slowing down, it's possible. And if he gets the six rings and 12 NBA finals, and he's probably going to have the points record, the assist, you know, all these records, there's, it's like what I said on, in the group today. There's going to be an argument whether you agree with it or not. Yeah, I mean, the, the, like you said, the clutch thing is stupid. That should have died in, what was it, 2007, when he scored 27 of 28 points to beat the Pistons in that game. Definitely like, the first finals. That, or, that it was, was the second ridiculous. one that he put it away, right, the game set. That was the Spurs one after the Ray Allen shot. He, what did he score, like the last eight points, I think, in that game seven? Right, and, you know, to, to get to that series, again, that Boston series we just talked about, down 3-2, he scores 45 points in Boston. Grabs 15 rebounds. Like, the guy, yeah. 3-1 he, he, to the Warriors, and what did he score? I think 37-45 and right. uh, 28 and had a triple-double in all three. I mean, he has one glaring, you know, black mark on his record. Oh, the Mavericks. He can't hide from the Mavericks, but if you look what he did after that, to me it's almost even more impressive that he melted down on that stage. And then since then, it's like he figured out the oh, cheat code. Because yeah. he hasn't had a bad game that I can remember in a final sense. And there's this weird thing where it's like, oh, he had this one huge mistake, so he's not clutch. Right. It's like, who's holding against Kobe? Like, they blew a 20-point <laughs> lead in that first Celtics Thank series. You. And then they got blown out at home in, or I don't know, maybe it was in Boston, I think, actually, game six. Because back then they were doing the 2-3-2. Oh, I hated that. But yeah. game six, an elimination game, they lost like 30 points. No one's ever like, oh, Kobe wasn't clutched. Well, look at Mamba. Kobe's numbers in game seven. Even the ones they he was 5 of 24 in the last title they won against Boston yeah. in game seven. 5 of 24. The reality uh, is the only guy who really has that unimpeachable record is Jordan. Yep. Everybody else has a series where they got swept, which I LeBron doesn't have that. No. Like Shaq got oh, swept. Oh, wait, like where, six where's times. your sweep right? Oh, he did. They did. Yeah, you're right. But which that's, that's what it the, took. probably the greatest was, team ever. But. Yeah, arguably the greatest team ever is what it took to sweep LeBron in a series. And he should have won the first game, not for dumbass J.R. Smith. And I think the greatest <laughs> NBA performance ever. Like that game won. That was incredible. So, yeah, LeBron is clutch. He's great. If AD does win finals MVP, it's going to be like that 07 Spurs one where. Or, or yeah, it'll be like when Iguodala won, or it's like, oh, he played great, but really Curry's the most important player. Tony Parker played great, but really it was Tim Duncan. Like sometimes we reward guys for having great series, even though still within that series they were the second most important player. And I'm not saying that AD hasn't been phenomenal. Oh, Do you think that there's any chance AD leaves? I don't. I don't. Unless there's some weird you know, interpersonal conflict. I don't know why he would. It doesn't seem to. I don't know if you saw the way LeBron celebrated when AD hit that three. Oh, that's I mean, he threw his hand up immediately that. and yelled <laughs> and, you know, they were slapping. Uh, to me, they seem to really get along. I, I keep telling people what's scary with the Lakers is I believe they're going to have some cap space to potentially add one more good player next year, correct? Uh, I 
I have no idea what's going on with cap space just because I don't know what's going to go on with COVID and the Cavs. That's fair, yeah. Um, you think the Lakers close it? Last question. Lakers close it out in game five. You think there's any chance this goes six? I'm, I'm a, you know what? I'm going to bet on Jimmy. They, they, they lose in six. <laughs> Which, uh, I mean, again, the Heat, you got to remember, uh, you know, they were, what, the five seed – uh, yeah. Nobody expected them to be here this year. I will say Bill Simmons did actually have the Heat Clippers in the finals. I'm like, dude, if you had the Heat Lakers and had the Lakers winning, you'd be winning some serious uh, oh, Bill cash on them. the Lakers, though. Oh, I know. He hates the world, <laughs> especially now he plays on the Lakers. Uh, and, I, again, we kind of you know mentioned this briefly in the group, but I think this title is actually – you know, if you want to talk about every title is worth a little bit more, a little less, I think it's worth more than most titles because there's no home court. Yeah. The games are closer together. It's just basically an open gym. I don't understand the narrative of it's, you know, less of a title. And now it's like what I said in the group the other day. That only picked up steam, I think, from LeBron haters once the yeah. Clippers were eliminated and everybody realized, oh, shit, the Lakers are going to win, you know, the championship and LeBron is – uh, I actually thought that that might hurt this team because, you know, there are a lot of older players. you got Rondo, LeBron, Danny Green's not young. Uh, AD's had injury history. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. They've just really uh, bullied their way through, and uh, it's it's been a great NBA season. I, I really want to give kudos to the NBA for the bubble, the way they ran. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable to they think they've done. had zero COVID cases when you look at what's going on in the NFL, it's, it's just been phenomenal. Yeah, it's been really impressive. I, I think the only true – the t- two disappointments for the Lakers is – I think we all wanted to see the Lakers Clippers. But oh, yeah. that's that's the Clippers' fault. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the Lakers' fault. And then, obviously, you know, I think this was going to be a real series. I, I picked the Lakers as you, but I think it was going to be a real series if the Heat were healthy. But again, like, are we talking about last year's Toronto ring not counting? The Warriors of 2015 is a prime one to me. I think every team they played, their starting point guard was injured. Yeah, I know that Dane got hurt. Yep, Dane Willard. Then, uh, what, yep, two, there was two years ago, three years ago, Chris Paul got hurt. Like, this is what happens. It's the NBA. I mean, that's what happens when you start playing all these intense, game. intense games. Yeah. So, and, well, uh, Joe, I always enjoy this. I hope our fantasy football picks are as good as last week. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely gloat about it. But I, I'll be sending <laughs> it to you to share. And uh, I hope you enjoy, like I said, the rest of your week. And um, we'll catch up on this crazy debate. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys. I'm uh, sure that'll be fun. You want to you play anything before we get out there, Joe? Uh, no, I don't, just listen to the pod. Yep, and the IB, uh, definitely look at the uh, Patron membership for our Patreon. I always say that. <laughs> Patreon, or you can see RC going, learn how to talk, you damn country redneck. Uh, the Patreon membership for IB Sports uh, for as cheap as five bucks a month. It's great. You get free gambling advice, get all kinds of cool options, uh, you know, within the, uh, the group. And most importantly, supporting the brand. It allows us to do podcasts and other stuff. So we would greatly appreciate that. But for Keith Fleming, Joe Matz, this has been another edition of the weekly daily fantasy football podcast. We'll see you, everybody.